Welcome to Mealtime with Marjorie. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 34, 8. Today we'll be feasting on Hebrews 6. As we eat our daily bread, we invite Holy Spirit to infuse it with power, energize it, engrave it on our hearts and in our minds. Holy Spirit, please help us to embrace the words we hear, to assimilate them, and live them today to the glory of God. We desire to grow up in you. Bon appetit, my friends. Thanks for joining me. We'll start today with Hebrews chapter 6 from the Simplified Living Bible Text. Chapter 6, verse 1. Let us stop going over the same old ground again and again. We are always teaching those first lessons about Christ. Let us go on to other things. Let us become mature in our understanding, as strong Christians ought to be. Surely we don't need to speak further about being saved by being good. We don't have to mention the need for faith in God. You already learned about baptism and spiritual gifts. You know about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. The Lord willing, we will go on now to other things. There is no use trying to bring some people back to the Lord again. They have once understood the good news. They have tasted for themselves the good things of heaven. They have shared in the Holy Spirit. They know how good the Word of God is. They have felt the mighty powers of the world to come. But then they have turned against God. They cannot repent again. They have nailed the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting Him. They hold him up to laughter and public shame. When a farmer's land has had many showers upon it, good crops come up. That land has been given God's blessing. But what if it keeps on having crops of thistles and thorns? If this happens, the land is thought to be no good. It is thought to be ready for condemnation and burning. Dear friends, I don't really think that what I'm saying applies to you. I'm sure you have the fruit that comes with your salvation. God is not unfair. How can he forget your hard work for him? Can he forget the way you've shown your love for him? No. You've been helping his children, and you still are. And we want you to keep on loving others to the end. That way you can get your full reward. Then you won't become bored with being a Christian. You won't become spiritually dull and indifferent. But you will follow those who receive all that God has promised them. Why? because of their strong faith and patience. You can count on God's promises. Verse 13. For instance, there was God's promise to Abraham. God made a promise in his own name, and there is no one greater to make a promise by. He promised that he would bless Abraham again and again. He would give him a son and make him the father of a great nation. Then Abraham waited patiently. Finally, God gave him a son, Isaac, just as he had promised. When a man makes a promise, he is calling upon someone greater than himself. This forces him to do what he has promised. He will be punished if he doesn't do it. The promise ends all argument about it. God also bound himself with a promise. That way, those he promised to help would be confident. They would never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. Now God has given us his promise. This is something we can count on. 
for it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now all those who go to him to be saved can take new courage. They can hear about the promises from God, and they can know for sure that he will save them as he promised. This hope of being saved is a strong anchor for our souls. It connects us with God himself behind the holy curtains of heaven. Christ has gone ahead of us there. He pleads for us from his position as our high priest. He has the same honor and rank as Melchizedek. That concludes Hebrews chapter 6 in the Simplified Living Bible. Scripture quoted from the Simplified Living Bible, copyright 1990, used by permission of Tyndall House Publishers, all rights reserved. Hebrews chapter 6 in the New Living Translation. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to restore to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people to repentance again because they are nailing the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the rain that falls on it and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has the blessing of God. But if a field bears thistles and thorns, it is useless. The farmer will condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking like this, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep right on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and patience. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you richly, and I will multiply your descendants into countless millions. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it, and without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for courage, can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. 
It leads us through the curtain of heaven into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the line of Melchizedek. That concludes Hebrews chapter 6 in the Daily Walk Bible, New Living Translation. Scripture quoted from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 1996 by Tyndall House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndall House Publishers. All rights reserved. Hebrews chapter 6, New American Standard Bible. The Danger of Falling Away. Verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ... Let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and produces vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God, but if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Better things for you. Verse 9. But, beloved, we are convinced of better things regarding you, and things that accompany salvation, even though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, by having served and by still serving the saints. And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, He swore by himself, saying, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For people swear an oath by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath serving as confirmation as an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise the fact that his purpose is unchangeable, confirmed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firmly to the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and reliable, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That concludes the reading of Hebrews 6 in the New American Standard Bible. Scripture quoted from the New American Standard Bible, copyright 2020 by the Lachman Foundation, used by permission, 
all rights reserved. Hebrews chapter 6 in the Amplified Bible, verse 1. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works, dead formalism, and of the faith by which you turned to God, with teachings about purifying and laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment and punishment. These are all matters of which you should have been fully aware long, long ago. If indeed God permits, we will now proceed to advance teaching. For it is impossible to restore and bring again to repentance those who have been once for all enlightened, who have consciously tasted the heavenly gift and have become sharers of the Holy Spirit, and have felt how good the Word of God is, and the mighty powers of the age and world to come, if they then deviate from the faith and turn away from their allegiance, it is impossible to bring them back to repentance. For because while as long as they nail upon the cross the Son of God afresh, as far as they are concerned, and are holding him up to contempt and shame and public disgrace, for the soil which has drunk the rain that repeatedly falls upon it and produces vegetation useful to those for whose benefit it is cultivated partakes of a blessing from God. But if that same soil persistently bears thorns and thistles, it is considered worthless and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Even though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we are now firmly convinced of better things that are near to salvation and accompany it. For God is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labor and the love which you have shown for his name's sake in ministering to the needs of the saints, his own consecrated people, as you still do. But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope until the end, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators behaving as do those who, through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and by practice of patient endurance and waiting, are now inheriting the promises. For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, Blessing, I certainly will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending strife. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, 
intervened, mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it's impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil where Jesus has entered in for us in advance. A forerunner, having become a high priest forever after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. That concludes Hebrews chapter 6 in the Amplified Bible. Scripture quoted from the Amplified Bible, New Testament, copyright 1987 by the Lachman Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved. Hebrews chapter 6 in the New King James Version. The Peril of Not Progressing, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. A better estimate, verse 9. But, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God's infallible purpose in Christ, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That concludes the reading of the New King James Version. Scripture quoted from the New King James Version, copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson Publishing. Used by permission, all rights reserved. In today's reading, we heard a very difficult teaching about someone who has fallen away and cannot be brought back to repentance because they would be crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Let's take a closer look at the characteristics of the person in this passage. When the person was walking in faith, they were described as being enlightened. They understood the good news. They had consciously tasted for themselves the heavenly gift, the good things of heaven. They had shared in the Holy Spirit. They had tasted the goodness of the Word of God. They had tasted the mighty powers of the coming age and the world to come. So we're looking at a mature, Holy Spirit-filled Christian who enjoyed the Word of God and walked in the miraculous. That's my interpretation of what it means to taste the mighty powers of the coming age and the world to come. Scripture says if that type of person deviates from their faith, turns away from their allegiance, if they fall away, turn against God, they cannot come back. Looking ahead to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 29, In the New International Version, it says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? The Spirit of grace. Praise God for His grace. I am so grateful for the one way of escape Jesus provided for us so that we can live with Him forever. If we sin willfully, deliberately turning our backs on Jesus, if we choose a lifestyle of sin after we've received the knowledge of the truth, that's when there's no longer a sacrifice for sins. But don't forget Hebrews 6, 9, which says, Dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. The fact that you're seeking God, that you've listened to five translations of this single chapter, that you're hungry for the truth, is an excellent indication that you have not turned your back on Him, and that's good news. And there's more. God spoke an oath to demonstrate to us, the heirs of the promise, the fact that His purpose and plan is unchangeable. We can take refuge in this. It is an anchor for our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. I don't know about you, but my soul needs an anchor. 
We are at war, and the battleground is our mind. Scripture tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When I do not feel saved, and feelings stem from thoughts, I take captive the thoughts that tell me I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner, and I make them obedient to Christ, who says, and you can find this in Ephesians 1, 4-6, it's, but this is personalized, it says, that God chose me in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined me to be adopted as his daughter through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God's amazing, glorious grace. Back to Hebrews 6. We are strongly encouraged to diligently and sincerely realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope. God strongly encourages us to hold firmly to the hope set before us. This hope is a steadfast and sure anchor of our soul. I want to read a definition for hope from the Spiritual Life Bible word wealth. Hope, not in the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation, but in the sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. Biblical hope rests on God's promises, particularly those pertaining to Christ's return. So certain is the future of the redeemed that the New Testament sometimes speaks of future events in the past tense as though they were already accomplished. Hope is never inferior to faith, but is an extension of faith. Faith is the present possession of grace. Hope is confidence in grace's future accomplishment. In Hebrews 6, we're encouraged to imitate the people who have gone before us, who through faith and patient endurance are now inheriting the promises of God. Faith is leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. And Abraham offers us an example of patient endurance. He waited 25 years from the time God promised until Isaac was born. But he finally realized and obtained what God had promised him. So, my friends, let's keep growing up. And today, we choose to hang on to the hope, the confident expectation of God's promises. We will exercise faith and patient endurance, and we will see them come to pass because God promised on oath, and God cannot lie. I'll meet you in chapter 7. Have a blessed day. I love you.